Hey crew, I'm Cam Explains, and this is Run the Block, the first show that's bringing together coaches, podcasters, and local business owners to innovate and collaborate, because I think there's crazy crossover that no one is talking about between these three amazing groups, from lessons learned to finding untapped and potential new revenue streams. Our goal is to help you get more subs, customers, clients, and more using the perfect formula of know-how, storytelling, and kindness. So you too can easily create content that converts, add more cash to the bank, lift up your community, and ignite your biz without being stuck in no man's land ever again. Using Loom check-ins, how to view the real purpose of social media, growing an audience, business and passion, fake money math, and how to build the ultimate buy-in with your current community. All that and so much more on this edition of Run the Block Coaching Economy Part 2 with none other than Michael Clifford at Michael from iLead on Instagram. Enjoy, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That is a fun joke for everybody. If you tuned in for episode one of this of this coaching economy update, we basically went through a huge overview the first, I don't know what it was, probably like 43, 45 minutes of kind of the state of what has led us up to this point. And so on this kind of a rant, we want to really address some key takeaways that you can probably implement in your business, as well as how you can actually provide services that not only get you paid, which is great, but really provide a ton of value to your current clients and future prospects. That will actually help set them up for success as well, not just in the current niche of health and fitness, but possibly in other areas as well. So Michael, I know we didn't really get a chance to take a deep dive into your Netflix analogy and your subscription-based model, if you will, but I know you actually have like a a well-thought-out comparison as to why people should start addressing their coaching almost like a Netflix-type service. Uh, within reason, not saying that you should drop your prices to 15 to $20 a month and raise them every quarter by, you know, <laughs> 10% or you don't get the service anymore. But w- would you walk us through kind of that, that Netflix analogy and further elaborate since we kind of got cut off on the last one? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're kind of talking about the value proposition and you're not going to be able to compete with a Netflix. And so to to call back to the last episode, for those of you listening, Cam was basically stating that you can't compete with Netflix. And when times are tough, the disposable income products have to go first. And that gym membership and that coaching for most people, this isn't for everyone, for most people, is going to be cut before Netflix, before Hulu, before things like that, right? And here's why. The value proposition is so much better than yours. You're offering them a check-in. You're offering them and and right the level of that check-in. Some people are still doing the one-on-one phone call. Some people are doing Zoom. A lot of people went to the Loom uh, check-in or the the one-way communication to to make things more efficient because as you build your business, you try to build out for efficiency and all those things and it's also the way that other coaches are taught to do it and as we discussed in the first one everyone copies and copies and copies etc. right? So you got to look at what Netflix offers because all humans are feeling people, right? To exist is to suffer. That is the human experience. And so we are feeling creatures. Most of us 
are looking to chase good feelings or we have bad feelings currently and we're looking to dull those feelings. That's what Netflix does. Netflix isn't something that necessarily makes you happy more often than not, right? Like the stuff that they put up, it's just not that good. And they're not putting up a new enough new things to keep you going there for a source of happiness. Typically, it's at the end of a long day and we're so tired and we're on the couch. Or I got this thing that I really don't want to do and that that Netflix binge is calling my name, right? And so you're trying to dull a current state of pain. And so we need to think about that. Because if, uh, as, as Cam said earlier, right, we buy on emotion, we justify after the fact logically, but we buy on emotion. The things that we do are tied to feelings. And so you need to look at yourself in the same manner. How can you offer that? When we have a, when we have a, a subscription base, right? This would be like your coaching communities out there, um, group coaching model, whatever you want to refer to it as. What can you offer people besides the standard call? Why are they going to show up to you? Why would they keep their membership when, you know, you're charging whatever, $150 a month for your group or $200 or $97, just depending on who you are, what your offer is, whatever. Why would they keep that? You have to give them a reason. So start looking at yourself. Number one is a community leader, right? I don't offer a group coaching program. I lead a community. And if you lead a community, you're going to start looking at it as, how can I add value into their lives? And so then we're going to start thinking about their current states. And so one of those things is, how can I get them to show up here instead of going to Netflix, instead of going to Hulu, instead of going to the bar, right? And so we have to start thinking, what are fun things that we can do for our people that are not related to nutrition coaching, to the world of dieting or whatever the case, or bonus points if you're creative, And you can get them to show up and have fun while also teaching them or educating them and empowering them to help them on their journey. And so you have to start thinking of yourself as a community leader and how can you give people good feelings? How can you essentially be a good feeling dealer, right? So that is the number one thing to think of. But number two is this. We We have to really take inventory currently. And I would urge everyone to take inventory of your thoughts and who you are, of this community, of this society, of this country. Where are we headed? What are we currently experiencing? Start thinking outside of just yourself and start to think about what people need, right? Too many coaches out there position themselves as like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm always thinking about uh, ways that I can celebrate my community and I, you know, that's why I put these. No, you don't. No, you don't. Even the best intention coach, you're sharing that screenshot because you want another client and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a problem lying about it. There's nothing wrong necessarily with that, but you have to turn into someone who thinks about their clients. What are the things that they're going through? What are the things that they need help with? What other experts could you bring in? What other education can you give them? What other problems can you solve for them, right? Especially if you run a group coaching or a community-based program. If you, uh, and so let's, let's go ahead and look at it this way. A few weeks ago, I was out in California and I was speaking at a gym. There were a few presenters. And I will say this, that, uh, and I say this with no ego, and this isn't, there's no embellishment here. My presentation, my talk definitely got the biggest and the most emotional reaction. 
but not the most questions. You know where the most questions came from? How to fix your credit. And that's the one that people didn't really want to react to because as humans, we have this thing where we're like, ah, status, I seek status. I seek status in the herd. I don't want you to think less of me. No, I don't need to fix my credit. Do you know how many people need to fix their credit? A lot of people need, it's okay. It's okay. It's a number and it's temporary and you can do something about it. The point is this, start looking for other things that you can solve for people. Partner with experts, bring those experts in so they can start dulling the pain that your clients are in. Eventually, maybe even getting to the root, the cause and removing it. Now that source of pain is gone and you don't have to do anything different. You need to partner with a reasonable expert. This is also why in the coaches community, we preach what we call run the block. We are in a digital age. There's no doubt about it, guys, but good business is still done with a handshake and in person. You have a connected community. You have foot traffic. You have people in your area who need you. And I promise you, there's a chiropractor who doesn't know as much about nutrition. And I promise you, as a nutrition coach, you probably don't know as much about physiology as you should. And to start looking at adjacent businesses and to start forming networks that are a referral source for each other, but also come together to like kind of, you know, I'm old, so I would say form Devastator or Voltron. That's where the (laughs) sum of the parts is greater than the whole. Some of you younger kids out there might know a Megazord. If we talk about a Megazord from the Power Rangers, it's where the things come together and they make a much bigger thing that's much more powerful. And so, you know, as we're discussing all these things with, and make no mistake about it, we're in crisis. We're in financial crisis. We're in crisis of existence. We're in educational crisis. We have a lot of crisis in this country and worldwide, but in this country specifically that we're fighting. How can you solve those in your own backyard? Who can you partner up with who has complementary skill sets that your people need? that want to solve problems for other people? Can you have them in your community? Can you do a special training? And it can be with a PT. It can be with an accounting firm. It can be with anything. But how can you increase your value proposition to do one of two things? To either be a good feelings dealer or to be the blunter of the bad feelings. And if you start to think truly, deeply, creatively about how you can make people's lives better, are you ready? Without charging them more without being that piece of shit who profits off of misery. If you can start to think of yourself as a community leader and provider, you can build a business that will survive any recession. And it doesn't have to be high ticket. It can be if you want it to, but the service better be. But you can have a low ticket, you know, we'll call it a low to moderate access, super high value product people won't want to leave because in this day and age, the things that are going to be kept around are going to be the things that provide the highest return on investment, the highest ROI. And it's going to fall under the Pareto principle. It's going to fall under that 80-20 rule. Do you want to be one of the things that they get rid of or do you want to be the choice that they keep? All right. I got Netflix. I got Hulu. I got Apple. I got Prime. I'm keeping Prime because I get my free two-day delivery. That ain't going anywhere. I got UFC for 10 bucks. I got ESPN Plus for 8 I got Disney for 5 I got this. 
don't you want to be with the one or two subscriptions that they keep instead of getting rid of your service completely so they can keep eight different streaming services, six of which they don't even watch? If that's what you want to be, then your value proposition has to rival that because that is now what you're up against. It's no longer the commodity of coaching, the commodity of weight loss, and the commodity of personal training. When there's not enough to put out to retain all those services, they all go away. And then you're just left with the low cost, low ticket things. And out of those, what provides the biggest ROI? And so you will be competing with Netflix. You will be competing with Hulu. You will be competing with Disney. You're in a different ship altogether, but that is your competition. It's not the neighborhood nutrition coach down the street that you have to worry about anymore. Unfortunately, those days are gone. So when it comes to the Netflix analogy, guys, I hope that makes sense. I hope you understand that. Yeah, a couple key points there would be exactly that about you're not competing now with the person down the street because that's irrelevant. A hundred, like if you go look into buying decisions, uh, I can't remember the money math. I think it was up to a hundred dollars is technically the same buying decision. And then I think it was like one to five ish was like another buying decision. And I think like five plus or six plus was like another buying decision. You can go on through there through high ticket. But now, I mean, people pretty much know it's, it's in the industry what coaches do right? They may not know exactly what you do, but they know coaches do some macros and things like that. And now with where we are and where we're going, it's not you versus the guy down the street. Now it's you versus the other things that they love and care about. So if they're not going to love and care about your beautiful community or the thing that you're building, unless they have a, you know, extra disposable income, you're, you're going to be gone. Like it, it, it's just a different game. And now I think I want to stress that we're not telling you guys to go out and try to build some sort of platform that gets people's attention via <laughs> watching a bunch of fitness videos or something like that. <laughs> like we're not saying go go immediately pivot to a YouTube library and try to monetize through AdSense and all those things through YouTube, but it's how can you gamify and provide a customer experience, a customer journey to your current clients and to future prospects. If only, if only people love to play games and compete with each other. If only. Oh, wait a minute, they do. Cam, are you insinuating, and you may have to explain this, but are you insinuating that people out there enjoy things that are gamified? Uh, why, yes, Michael, I sure as heck am. Uh, the... Again, we have no no script for this. We're just going off the cuff here. Uh, but yeah, like th- the best games are always the ones you don't know you're playing, right? When you log into social media, do you think you're playing a game? Well, I mean, like on the whole, like you don't think about that. But it, actually, if you look at why you keep logging in, it's because you are playing a game. If you're a business owner, it's because you're trying to start conversations or at least hopefully, right? You're posting to get an audience to grow your audience to start conversations, right? So that the gamification there is likes, it shares, it's tagging customers, it's looking for feedback, it's trying to actually go through the process of acquiring somebody new to your audience and to your business. If you're just the average user, you still love to see likes. You still love to scroll through and swipe through a bunch of videos on reels. 
uh, TikToks, whatever they may be. The whole reason TikTok has exploded is because they basically reverse engineered gamification to the point where anyone could go viral and no one to date had done that. Because even though social media from Facebook and Instagram and those things was a platform that anyone could use, it was still like you had to be at a certain level. Like, I don't know if you guys remember or not, Michael, I'm sure you do, but like you used to not be able to give links unless you had 10,000 or more followers. The swipe right? up. I was just thinking yeah, about was, that today. Yeah, it was a swipe up, right? And you could not put a link or swipe up unless you had 10K or more. So man, before 10K cash was cool, it was 10K followers. You needed to get to that so you could have freaking links, man. <laughs> Otherwise, you had to be that bozo that had the link in bio. <laughs> you know, you, that one extra click, man. So so difficult for people to do, right? But but in reality, it was. It was it the data showed if you had a swipe up versus link in bio as a call to action, completely different. And so there's a bunch of other gamification there, Instagram staying native and now Facebook and all the other apps. But if you get people to play games, they don't even technically know they're playing. That's the best way. Now, as a coach, how can you gamify things? Tons of different ways, especially within your community. Uh, you know, we talk all the time in coaches community about community contests. We talk all the time about how you can do specific things, how you can do member only events, how you can do referral drives, how you can actually do bring a friend to an event type deals. Because conversions don't only happen in chat on social media, contrary to everyone's belief now that you have to be on seven different platforms. And all I can do is keep posting and try to, you know, DM people like, yeah, that's one acquisition channel. But don't forget, we live in the real world. Before Michael and I started recording, we were talking about online versus offline. And I even said, like, I have to view social media now for my own sanity as a place. Like I physically think of it as a place, like we're not in the metaverse yet where I put on my headset and I go there, but it has to be a place because I know the rules are different there. And when I try to match that experience with real life, it doesn't add up. And that's where I get confused, right? Because in real life, I would never go and talk shit on someone's post or excuse me, I would never go and talk shit to someone's face. I mean, unless I guess they were bad mouthing me, my family, I don't know, right? Like talking, talking shit on my dog maybe, but in social media, that's something that people do. I personally don't don't do that. Uh, I just through trial and error have found that being positive is way better for me and matches me and doesn't require somebody else feeling negative. I had somebody shit on one of my posts the other day. I didn't even acknowledge it. I didn't like it. I didn't say you know apologies. Try better next time, right? I, I, don't, I don't care. Like just so sorry. Eh? Yeah, I, I'm sorry. But, Someone shit on one of your posts. Was it on TikTok? Uh, th- his name was some. It was like I don't. It wasn't Chris, but it was like bot Chris. So like, I think it was a spammer bot that was also a parody, which I, I thought was hilarious on top That's of that. Awesome. Cause like people probably get in arguments and it probably is a bot. And like the joke is it, in the name, it tells you it's a bot. And so I was like, man, this is, this is gold. Cause I know people probably get into arguments with this account, but yeah, it was like, uh, this guy's a joke. And it was on, like I was covering PayPal. Like I was just reporting on an article. So it had nothing to actually do with my own thoughts or anything. I was just like, Hey, did you guys see this crazy thing? <laughs> he was like, this guy's a joke. <laughs> New robot was like, you suck human. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, sorry. But anyways, um, you know, how, how can you double down to entice your own community? And Mike, I know you're very creative with this as well. And we've given a few examples, but w- when you look at like gamification or like how people can help not only through health and fitness, but I know also other avenues 
And we have a couple that I'm, I'm trying to purposely not talk about, not because we want to stay cryptic, but just because they, they are proprietary to like what we do in the coaches community and they are fun events. What and or why would, would people want to do this? Because I already hear the negatives and it's like, I'm not that person or I just want to coach. I didn't get into this to do X, Y, and Z, right? Like that's, that's when I, I can already feel is probably going to start coming through the speakers or I don't want to do a Facebook group yeah. or I had one and I tried, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what starts instantly. All right. So I try to be very practical and uh, very cold and logical. Okay, guys. So you may not be the person who wants to start a Facebook group. You may not be a person who wants to, you know, be on camera, make reels, focus on your copywriting, all of those things, right? You may not love to do that. And I'm going to stick to those traits because as Cam says, we have proprietary secrets. Anyways, they're not dead bodies. <laughs> not all of them. All right. Uh, but anyways, the reason we would want to do this is because we want to be successful. And we're all coming at this from different angles. Some of us are, are better than others. We have to have a very real conversation and, and it's painful and a lot of people don't want to hear it and that's okay. It's okay. I, I assure you it may be offensive, but, but the ugly truth is a great place to start because if you create awareness around where you are supremely beyond the shadow of a doubt, you can start fixing any shortcomings, biases, blind spots, whatever, right? We need to create that though. So we may have a coach who's been doing this for five years, who has a good following. They've created some great results. Just like you may have been in the gym for five years and you're intermediate in your training age. You know what you're doing. We may have a coach who's been doing this for five years, but they're a moron. They're a low IQ human. They struggle to grasp high level concepts. They struggle to teach. They struggle to whatever. The same amount of time, completely different outcomes. So we're all different people. Now, what about the coaches who've been here for 10 years and they've been doing this forever and they have a big following and they only post twice a week and it's only science and they get a lot of clients and they get a lot of likes and they get a lot of shares. What about the person who's been training for 10 years who only trains three times a week and they're super jacked and they're super tan and they got the super muscular Chad jawbone. Cool. What about you? You've been doing this for six months, 12 months. And are you going to listen to the person who's been doing this forever, but doesn't have the awareness to say, well, I've been doing this forever. I've been doing this for 10 years. And so that's why I can post a couple times a week and I get plenty of likes and plenty of shares. That's why I can talk high level science because my audience is all coaches actually. Or have you been doing this for six months? You have no audience. You have no clients. Maybe you have four clients. Two of them pay you. Two of them are family. If you employ that strategy where you post two to three times a week and it's all high level science and you're expecting like shares and followers, you are outside of your fucking mind. It's not how it's going to work. You have to look at where you're at with, with a very, uh, very clear sense, right? The ugly truth. That's what we always call it. You got to look at the ugly truth. And so if you want to be successful, sometimes you have to be a little bit more aggressive, but you also have to have the supreme understanding of where you're at in your journey. Who is your audience? What do they need? What do they want? What do they like? What do they need to hear? If you are a uh, six month to 12 month or 12 month to 18 month tenured coach, which isn't very long, you don't really know a lot of things. 
and you're trying to grow your coaching business, you're going to want to do things that you didn't originally sign up for. Because the reality is we have that primary skill set. In this case, it's coaching. That's the thing that makes us money, but we need to have the things that bring people to us so we can use that skill set in the first place. As a reason why we have email lists, that's a reason why we have Facebook groups, and no, not everyone likes them, and I get it, and I'm one of those people, but guess what? Sometimes you got to have it because if success in growing a business is what you're after, sometimes you have to do things that you don't want to do because every job on the face of the earth, whether you're the company owner or not, you have those things. When you're a solopreneur, if you don't like to write copy, you still got to do it. If you don't like to film reels, you still got to do it. What happens? Well, I'm going to outsource it. Cool. Do you like to manage people? Because <laughs> that's what you got to do now. I'm going to, now it's, now I'm a CEO. I got like five employees. I'm a CEO. You're not really a CEO, by the way. But you have to manage people. 25 people, bigger team, further removed away from everything. Cool. Maybe you didn't know that you didn't want to be in leadership. The point is this. Every job, no matter what it is, has things that you don't want to do. It's just part of it. And so you can either look at where you're currently at and look at the obstacles that are in your way and determine the best path to success. And if you need success in 90 days, you may have to run a scholarship. You may have to market. You may have to run a challenge. You may have to go live for 90 straight days. If you need money now, you got to hustle and you got to get money now. However, if you're okay with playing the long game, you got three years and this is a side project, cool, you get to do it on your own terms. But one of the hardest things, and, and people don't talk about this enough when they're talking about their mentorships and their business coaching programs and all this, if the end goal, and I always use Chicago, guys, because I'm in Illinois, if the end goal is Chicago, some people start on their, on the, when they hop on the interstate and they're only five miles away. Some are 85 miles away. We're all trying to get to Chicago. Some of us are starting further away. You may have to do different things and cross different interstates in order to get to your end destination. Not all of us are starting just down the road. Not all of us have lifted weights for 10 years. I was a personal trainer for five. I understood physiology. And by the way, I've just been a nutrition coach for six months, but I'd done all these other things. So I'm really close to success. Some of you may have just been helped through a weight loss journey two years ago. Now you want to pay it forward. Guess what? You got a whole lot of stuff that you got to do if you want to be successful in this, and you may not like all of it. Kim, was that the direction that you were wanting to, to go in? I just want to make sure that I'm clear there. Well, speaking of directions into Chicago, I just know it's north of me. So yeah, fine. Fine with that. I'll get there when I get there. <laughs> But I mean, you've, you've said and mentioned several times between these, this and, and the previous one about principles. And so what I think is important to mention about principles, like principles can be your North Star. Well, I don't know if that's exactly true. They can at least help you build your foundation. Uh, for instance, if you guys don't know what first principles are, you know, we've talked about them before, mental models, things like that. Uh, the one that always comes to mind because it was one of the ones I think I first learned was like Occam's Razor, which means... Either the simplest form is the best way to start, or at least the, excuse me, these, the uh, Occam's Razor says, what is it that the simplest form of the idea may not be like the best, but it's the easiest place to start? Yeah, it's, it's the most, it's the most probable thing, right? You see the clips of the UFOs that the government randomly decided to show us. Hey, guess what? We've never seen aliens, but we've seen government technology. And so while I want to believe Occam's Razor says, 
oh, we've never seen anything like that. It's probably just humans who have advanced technology is dripping it out, right? That would be Occam's razor, razor applied to something that we see today. Absolutely. Shout out to the aliens in the world. <laughs> be kind to us. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's great to use when you're stressed out or you're trying to build out this ginormous thing and you forget to take the first step, right? You're trying to build out a huge community and you're overwhelmed because you know the time, energy and everything it takes to do X, Y, and Z and put on all these events. But it's like, well, in reality, like what's the simplest form of that? Well, just having an event at some point in time in the next 30 days, probably a great place to start. Uh, and not trying to overdo it with a buffet and a band and all this other crazy stuff. Probably just having people get together and, you know, do something fun. Maybe a bowling night, maybe a movie night, maybe something like that. You, you've mentioned several of them. And I, I just want to make sure that people understand the difference between principles, assumptions, because we're all supposed to be coaches in a scientific field. And I think that we forget the basis of science is hypothesis and assumptions, right? It's, it's literally fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I have this idea and I think this thing will work, but now I need to go do it. That's very different from being a person set in principles than, oh yeah, someone above me who I look up to because they've hit certain income or they've had certain clients or something like that. This is what they're doing. So I'm going to go copy or I'm going to go try that. It's like, well, are you at that position? Because if you're at 10 clients and the person you're trying to mimic was doing that when they were at 500 clients, is it going to work? There's a reason why Marketing 101, they'll give you templates. They will give you their swipe files. Do you know why? Because when you read and understand marketing principles, it says exactly this. When something's happened and worked one time in one industry, it will never happen again for somebody else. And I'm not saying you can't copy that and you can't be a successful nutrition coach and there can't be a hundred other. But I'm saying when a subject line has worked in an email for someone else in an adjacent field, that means nothing to you. Does not mean it's going to work for you. Does not mean if a specific coach in your specific field has used that subject line, it's ever going to work for you. This is promo aside, right? Save 20%. That's always probably going to work if you <laughs> if you want a good deal. Like that, that's probably going to work time, time on, time off. But there, there's a reason why you see, like I get hit with ads all the time in the nutrition coaching space. We'll give you our 30-day uh, templates that this person just used to get 500 coaching applications. I mean, that sounds cool. And that probably did work that one time, but it's also because that person's built up that authority in that audience, which you brought up earlier. And they have that clout. Uh-huh. Not to mention that I'm sure with that audience in that deal, there was probably some colorful language, we'll call it, to generate the quote unquote 500 applications. And by that, you meant comment below if you'd like this free guide, yeah. to which then the percentages when you work out landed maybe five to six calls, yeah. right? So it, it goes back to the context of that. But I think more than anything, what I've come to realize is we're in this health and wellness space, and yet we're supposed to be educated and treated like a medical profession, but we don't abide by the law of medicine, which is the scientific law. This is supposed to be an experimental playground of, I have this hypothesis, this is my assumption, now let me go test this out. I know that wasn't exactly where we started off from, but like that's the only thing I can keep going back to because you mentioned yeah. principles and I know a lot of people don't 
probably like understand a lot of principles. Tom Bilyeu always talks about first principles and how can I reduce this down into basically the simplest form, which is where we went to Occam's razor. But I think it's super important that people understand that I think we all get lost because we forget that we're supposed to have a hypothesis. We're supposed to make assumptions about that and then to go try it. And that's where people get into the success failure loop, right? And they're just, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. Well, it's if you're a scientist, that's what you're supposed to do. Science is a mixture of uh, fuck around and find out and hold my beer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Basically, that's what it is. And so when, when we talk about principles, that's I'm always quick to point out there's certain principles and laws that, that govern all of reality. And you can try and cheat them, but that's only going to lead you to temporary gain before Icarus. You, you're going to come back down to earth. And so the way to think of it is this. And I specifically try to relate it to training or nutrition because we end up dealing with a lot of coaches, gym owners. And so this is their level of craft. It's not up here doing this thing, right? Like some of them move into this thing and that's totally fine, right? It's how how I got into it. It's how you got into it. So there's nothing wrong with that, but they don't always understand up here, but they usually understand down here. And so when I tell someone that, look, if you're new at this, and you've hardly ever lifted weights, but you're going to try to go compete on stage. You're going to try and get your pro card in like 24 months. You're going to be so juiced to the gills with drugs and you're going to make some gains and it's going to happen, but your connective tissue is probably not going to hold up, right? Like the little systems that are meant to bridge the big things in your body ain't gonna last. It ain't gonna happen. And so it's the same thing when you go up a level. If you've never done this thing and you start doing a bunch of drugs, aka all of the tactics that build those 20, 30, 40, 50k months, it's not sustainable. And it's not sustainable for multiple reasons. One of which is, well, if you outsource all of your stuff, sure, you're making 50k, but you're taking home like four. That's not a good look. That's a lot of work for a little bit of ROI, right? And so it's one of those things where when we talk about the principles, we always try to tie it to a field that they understand. So they get it. You can cheat success. You just can't sustain cheated success. We'll probably be testing that theory in the in the future. I I will make a guess and I will tell you guys what we mean by that when it comes to light. I will make reference and call so back cryptic. to the moment in time. <laughs> but you can't. You can't cheat your way to the top and stay there. Eventually you fall. It, it just, it's how it works. And so whether it's in your business or whether it's off the couch trying to go stand on stage, putting on 60 pounds of lean tissue in 24 months, some things aren't going to hold up along the way. And eventually you're going to fall. And so that's why we always try to tie it back to principles. That's why we always try and speak in metaphors that everyone understands. So you can hammer home the point that if you want to get rich, if you want to get jacked and tan, if you want to lose weight, if you want to be successful in business, there's only one real key, consistency. (laughs) Just keep showing up and making those daily deposits. And eventually you hit that hockey stick of growth. Just don't be denied. Be undeniable. Be unrelenting in your pursuit and you will be successful. But if you are relentless in your pursuits of being successful now, you will crash and burn. 
It happens time and time and again in this industry. We watch it. And now we're watching it unfold publicly sometimes. Daily deposits, kids. That's the big takeaway from this one. Yeah, well, I mean, you even touched on it earlier. Burnout is is real in this field, and we deal with it all the time because we're fielding messages and conversations with not only coaches that come to our community, but people in, in our DMs that hit up you or Trish or myself. And it, it's it's real. And it's partly because... I don't think it's stressed enough. You think whether you have a current job or not, leaving your nine to five and going to coaching because it's your passion, it's going to all of a sudden invoke this crazy fire within you and you're going to feel so much better. Yeah, if you have 10 clients and you don't really need a whole bunch of money, sure, like give me 10 or 20 clients and I'm not worried about the money coming in. Yeah, probably have a great life. But when you start doing numbers and realize like, you need 50 to 100 clients possibly depending on price points and all that stuff to build a sustainable business, especially if you have a family, other things that you're taking care of and to live a life full of time freedom, then that's a lot of pressure because it's you to make your own money. It's on you to start conversations. You're that solopreneur. And so I think there, there has to be a discussion around passion versus obsession, Right. You can be passionate about something and it can be a hobby that you get some quote unquote side hustle in and just, you know, put a little toe in the water to completely fine. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a certain thing about being obsessed with the thing that you love to turn it into something that you can actually make a business out of and be profitable and still be able to wear those hats and go through the day to day of consistency. Like you're talking about, I think too many people I mean, we just know we've seen it time and time again, come into this field because they love working out or they love, uh, you know, the feeling that they got working with a coach. And so they want to try and do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you just need to know this isn't something that's typically going to happen overnight. What you probably should do if you don't want to go out on your own is, as you spoke on the first episode, go possibly to a mentor. That mentor, A, may not only be able to help you through some stuff, but they actually may be able to even provide you some income. They may be like, hey, actually, yeah, I got a coaching spot. We do a mentor like this and you, we can do a split like this. That may be a great way if you find the right mentor for, for you. Having said that, most people in that position aren't going to give just a newbie coach clients, right? Like you've probably mm-hmm. got to have been working six to 12 mm-hmm. months and provide some sort of, you know what you're talking about and you can handle their, their level of, of clients because you're dealing with something like, someone like that they probably have, you know, clients that are more gym pop than gin pop, which is G-Y-M versus G-E-N from our very own Michael on this conversation. <laughs> but I, I think the the marketers hit it so well, you know, probably like 2010 on by telling people they could turn their passion into cash. And and it's true, but passion versus obsession is something I, I've heard Tom Bill you talk on this, and I think he just hit the nail on the head with it because I think too many people do have a passion, but too few people have an obsession that they can actually sit there and, you know, you made a joke about not hitting payroll and those things through your epiphany story. But when you're obsessed with something like that, those are the real facts of being an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. Like you will hit those walls and your epiphany story, while it's great on stage, is a real life scenario that many people go through and it's why people in this field leave because they, they thought they were going to be able to quickly turn and burn and, you know, within six months make X amount of money. And the reality is it's probably just not going to happen, especially 
in this type of economic situation, which is why we even started this this whole two-part series. Uh, I believe what ends up happening is your level of buy-in equates to your level of letdown. And so once you get super ramped up and you've been given this shot of adrenaline of motivation and then you go put your money where your mouth is to the tune of anywhere from five to $30,000, sometimes more. And then you get behind the scene, you see what you get, you see what the results are. You see that regardless of how much you've invested in this magic mythical ATM, you still got to do a boatload of work to become successful. And then people bow out because they bought into hype and they were sold work, (laughs) right? Which is sales 101 is we're going to, We're going to sell the vacation. We're not going to sell the trip, right? And But the thing is, you are also taught to sell them what they want, give them what they need. The problem is this. They're they're selling a monetary outcome with no discussion of what needs to go in ahead of time. None whatsoever. It's being treated as a magic bullet. And so once people are hyped up and they get that adrenaline dump after the fact... And then the worst part is you get coaches who are decent end up questioning themselves like, am I even a coach in the first place? This moron down the street has uh, uh, perceived a 18K a month business and I'm doing six. Well, just because you saw that one screenshot for their one good month, you didn't know that they did two and a half thousand the next month and they did 1,000 the month after that, right? But Or the, or the fake money math where they... They signed on 10 clients at $200. So, you know, they've made 24K, right? I contracted. I contracted yeah. this much money. Okay. Yeah. They signed, they signed 12 month contracts with me. So I made 24K this month. It's like, no, no, they, you made 12 yeah. times 200, yeah. whatever you have. If it's not Con- cash collected. It doesn't, doesn't go down. Contracted 24,000 dollar down contracts made 12 bucks this month. But I contracted twenty four thousand dollars. Crazy, crazy. But yeah, man, people get in this and they start to see how much work you have to do after being sold a bunch of bullshit, and then they drop out. They drop out. People get burnt out because they think, all right, I'm going to be a coach and it's going to be this easy, and all I want to do is coach. And then they realize that they have to do more than coach, and it's easy to not get burnt out when you're doing your passion because you love it. But when it's time to do the stuff that you don't love that's going to build a business, that's where burnout comes from. People overcomplicate this. They over they overcomplicate the sources of burnout and the sources of imposter syndrome. Like they've been turned into these super long detailed talks when it's all pretty simple shit. You don't get burnout doing the stuff that you love. You get up, you get burnt out doing stuff that you don't love. And so it's all the other adjacent things that you don't want to do that are burning you out. It's not the stuff that you love. And that's a lot of what happens. Instead, don't, right? This is, this is where the, the beauty of having a fluid identity comes in. I'm going to explain what I mean. Identity, controversial statement, coming in hot. Identity is a construct that exists only in your head. doesn't exist in reality, no matter how much anyone wants to pretend that it does. If I tell you I'm a fire hydrant, I pretend to be a fire hydrant, you can agree with me. But when a fire breaks out and you try to attach a hose to me, I can't help you put out the fire. Identity only occurs in your head. You are in charge of that. It is a belief system that you get to construct. And so instead of thinking of yourself as like, I'm going to be a successful coach. I'm going to have a successful coaching business. What does that mean? Those are, those are the same thing, right? No, they're not. 
being a successful coach just means you're a coach. You're, you're leveraging your talents to help other people. That's successful. You're a coach. Having a successful coaching business, if you look at it that way and you broaden your time horizon and you broaden your scopes, you can look at it as like, all right, for these first six months, I'm going to have to be the person who has to write a bunch of content and I'm going to have to um, probably build my own email list and I might have to operate a Facebook group. So for these first few months, I'm probably going to have to really live lean. I'm going to have to operate lean, which is a great thing to do, by the way, because when you start as a solopreneur, you should know how to fix your broken down car on the side of the road. Once upon a time, the the new rage was, we're going to build your machine. I don't know what that machine did. I know none of them really had any engines in them. But you have to look at yourself as the person who can fix the problems in your business because it's your business. And so for those first six months, if you work really hard at doing these things, it's probably going to lead you a, lead you to a level of success where you can start to outsource, whether it's through a VA, whether it's through an agency, whether you're bringing on a coach that you can outsource some of uh, the clients to that maybe you don't love to coach or whatever the case may be. Cool. All right. So this is part of being a successful business owner. My identity that I'm constructing is not to be a successful coach, but to have a successful coaching business. And so what that means is initially I'm going to have to do these things in addition to coaching. And after a little while, I'm going to have to move into something else where I'm managing other people. I may have not set out to do that, but if I want to build a successful coaching business, this is going to have to be something that I do. So what does that mean? If I don't love to do it, I need to create some systems around it. So I can spend as little time as possible doing the stuff that I don't love. So I get to spend more time doing the stuff that I do love. So you don't go towards burnout so quick, but start to look at yourself, your identity and your success on a longer time horizon. Start to be a little bit more fluid and a little bit more flexible because you're going to have to learn a lot of skills on the way to the top. You're not going to start as a coach and become wealthy because you're a coach. No one is wealthy because they're a coach. Wealthy because they have multiple business ventures that they've spurred along their journey, which started with them being a coach in the first place. But be more fluid and flexible with your belief system and the way that you're viewing yourself and the way that you're viewing success and what it's going to take to build that out. If you do that and you own up to the fact that at different different portions of this time horizon, you're going to have to do different things that you don't love doing. So I'm going to build some systems around them again. So I have to spend as little time as possible doing them to make sure that they get done you're not going to be burned out as quick. It's not going to happen. And so start to reframe the way that you talk to yourself, the way that you see yourself, the way that you look at success and time horizons, become more fluid, more flexible with those things. And you will be anti-fragile. You'll be more resilient. You'll be able to handle the ebbs and flows that naturally come with business that most people get the shit kicked out of them for the first six months. And then they quit on the spot. You will make it past the magical six month mark. And your ability to be successful, the probability of that will go up a lot just by hanging around long enough to stay in the fight a second round. So we've basically been painting a pretty bleak picture <laughs> over the last hour and change now. But the, the point of where we have come to now is just to let everybody know some feedback for yourself to kind of really check in on where you are as a coach, what may be a good possible next step for you, but also what's kind of coming down the pipeline as far as languaging, because when you are in a disastrous of a situation, 
that's when opportunities are going to come knocking. And I don't mean an opportunity that you probably want. It's going to be something like that. Yeah, it's it's going to be something as far as someone that's going to come save you. And if we could tell you anything, it's not that you shouldn't consider a mentor. It's not that you shouldn't consider programs, but make sure it's the right one for you. And make sure it's not something where you're going to go jack up a credit card or take out even worse, a, a financial loan through a third party because you can't get rid of that. Like that's not something you can default on. Like you're stuck. Like that's something that you're screwed with. So if you are going to take those steps, like you need to vet those circumstances. You need to make sure they're the right ones for you. And they're going to put you in the best case scenario. And if you're a coach who's been doing this under a year, you need to maybe join a community or like something that's very low barrier. Maybe go to your local gym, find somebody that's a trainer there and just chat like a good one and shadow them. You'd be way better off with hands-on experience versus sitting on a Zoom, uh, you know, waiting for your turn in line to ask a question. Because you probably have a lot and they're probably things you could just Google, but I'm not sure. So let's leave these people for uh, all, all three of us, myself, you, and maybe Trish included that are still listening to this on, on replay. Uh, let's leave them with some hope because that's something that, you know, we, you and I talk a lot about and it's, you know, giving hope and, and making sure that we know how to get ourselves out of this. So when we look into possibly the economic situation coming down the pipeline, we touched a little bit on doubling down on your community, maybe thinking outside of just the nutrition realm how can you help your own community with different things, whether it be finance, right? That's that's something that a lot of people aren't talking about. Like you mentioned taxes, could be taxes. Uh, maybe, you know, you live in an area where, or maybe your clientele is 30 to 40 and they're considering a, a home, right? Or maybe they're trying to figure out how to travel on a budget, different things like that, like things that maybe your clientele are actually considering. So Michael, what would be some other things that people could really consider to build out a, a community or maybe just in general, what are other things that they should be looking towards doing? So that way when someone joins or is currently in their program, they're like, I could never leave this. This is just amazing. Yeah, man. I think you, you kind of touched on a lot of the things. And so probably don't need to go into too much more detail about it, but I will tell you that uh, I have a client who. They are centrally located and probably about 70% of their clientele is. And then the other 30% are virtual. And so we organized a event that was both in person and online that revolved around doing cleaning in their community, like a roadside cleanup type of thing, but the beautification of downtown and things like that. And so it is a community project that was put together. And all of the people who did this thing shared it on social media. And so, by organizing clients to do something productive for free in the community, this person signed more clients from the positive attention that they received. And so, when you're thinking of your marketing, sometimes the best marketing is being a good person and organizing the other humans that you lead to be a good person alongside you. And so, yes, that's a little bit cryptic, but we've given you guys a lot on this. And so I want you to think outside the box. I want you to think how you can make a positive impact into something bigger than yourself, because now we're talking about principles again. 
as soon as your pursuit becomes hollow and self-serving and I'm, I need more money, I need more clients, I need more of this, you cannot fill a hole that is shaped with respect with a dollar sign. It can't happen. You'll never be fulfilled. But as soon as you start pouring into something bigger than yourself, you will find fulfillment. Whether it is pouring into your own family, whether it is pouring into your local community or making society a better place. Once you give freely of yourself to a bigger cause than you, the universe will reward you in ways that you did not know were even possible. It, it really just reminds me of the basics of like, you know, start with why. <laughs> what is your mission? What is the purpose that you are serving? And it sounds funny, but every single course program I've ever been in starts with those questions and there's a reason because most people have never answered those. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're doing the things you do. You just kind of want to do this thing that kind of made some money and do these other things. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you actually want to do anything that Michael just mentions and feel that sense of fulfillment and find a mission and a message that aligns with your purpose, I think it starts there. So, so leaving here, if I had anything to take away from both of these episodes now, it would simply be leaving here Make sure without a doubt, you're picking one thing today that you're not already doing for your community that you can do. I understand if you're not a brick and mortar, you may not have a tie to your local community, but that's one thing you can do immediately today. Go find a tie to your local community and then branch out, maybe make a challenge within your group. Hey guys, we're going to do a challenge with the 50 people we have in here and we're all going to go out in two Saturdays from now. And we're going to try and get five to 10 people, family members included, to go and pick up trash on the side of the road. And we're all going to tag each other. Anyone who does that will be entered. Every person that you come in, that you get to come in to this community cleanup with us will be entered as a you know vote for you. And basically, we'll pick a winner with the most votes. And then each vote in general gets you a submission to a blank prize. So you can do it that way. The people, someone who gets the most people, right? Reward them. And then also anyone who ever does any of it. And just, if they can only do it themselves, they still get entered into a contest. So that's tying gamification into possibly community cleanup. Not that, you know, that's why you should do those things. You should do them because you want to do them either way. But that's, that's also how you get people to buy into things. So if I could sum up any of this, guys, it's pick one thing, double down your community throughout this time. If for whatever reason, you want next steps, you want to see how we're doing it in our community, uh, hit Michael up on Instagram, hit myself up on Instagram, uh, Michael from iLead or cam.explains. Happy to, to walk you guys through these, these steps and, and how we kind of run through it in our community. Michael, anything else to, to kind of cap this, wrap this, or snap this back? Cam, you talked about hope. Keep hope at the center of everything that you do. Hope is at the center of change. It is at the center of every well wish that we send to another human. It is at the center of every prayer. Hope is the thing that will keep you moving forward. So regardless of the sky is falling, regardless of economy, regardless of whatever situation, keep hope at the center of what you do. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We'll catch you next time on Run the Block with Michael Clifford and the Coaches Community. Thanks for earning experience points with us today on Run the Block, part of the Cam Explains Immersion channel. If you actually want to work with me or my team at No Clouds Media, connect with me on Instagram at cam.explains. There you'll find even more helpful content tips, growth strategies, our latest downloads, or if nothing else, I can guarantee you'll get a good laugh from myself or our pup Oliver throughout the day. Just hit me up 
at cam.explains. Bonus, if you are following me on Instagram, you also get first dibs on limited spots for the community we're building inside of our network, where we will have tons of free resources, overtime sessions, networking events, special guests, and much more planned as we grow. So be sure to follow along at cam.explains, and we will see you for your next session of Run the Block to earn even more experience points. Hope this helps, and remember, kindness. Pass it on. Bye for now.